Thanks for listening to this message brought to you by Cornerstone Christian Church. For these and other great resources, please visit us at sparkswillfly.cc. So tonight, I just want to give you some keys or some of the things that, that, that I've, uh, that's been, been a lot at work in my life. So how do you believe for something so long? Let me just say this. You've got to learn how to live an undef- of unoffended life. <laughs> if you are ever going to walk in your destiny, you've got to learn how to live an unoffended life. Now let me say this, it's one thing to live without offense from each other, but it's another thing not getting offended with God. You with me? Listen, I found that a lot of people is not offended at each other, but we get offended at God. Why? Because we feel like the Lord shows us something, we feel like it should have happened within six months. Is that, am I the only one in the room? But I'm telling you that God is a farmer, and you and I live in a microwave society. So let's look at this. In Luke 18, it says this. In verse 8, I just want to just for the sake of time to go right here. He says, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? How many knows that's what God's looking for? He's looking for people that believe, right? He's looking for people that are willing to prepare the way and to believe that he can do the miraculous again. How did, how did Will not have a heart attack? I believe it's just like he told us. They said you're going to have it. First of all, I'm not going to come in agreement with that, right? Because I believe God's bigger than this. Are you with me now? Come on now. God's bigger than this. So, so will he find faith? Listen to this. An intellectual gospel is always in danger of creating a God that looks like us, one that's our size. I want to tell you this. If you've got God figured out, we ain't serving the same one. After 20 years of pursuit and more knowledge than I've ever had in my life of this God, I can tell you tonight, I do not have Him figured out. But there are cornerstones that I live by in my life. One, He is absolutely good. Regardless of what I'm facing, His nature never changes. He is 100% good. He has my best interest in heart. Come on, somebody. And He will always come through for me. He is a great provider. My God, I feel like preaching. He is a great provider. After 20 years following God, I can tell you for me and Catherine and for my house God has always came through he's always provided the ram in the thicket when I thought we was going to go down when we was leading the church he's always provided everything we need but here's the thing he will do things that I totally don't understand I don't understand how I can be praying for day after day after day for this one specific thing and then God will answer something I ain't even praying about has anybody found him to do that? I mean, is he messing with us or what's he doing? Come on. All right. <coughs> if you understand all that is going on in your Christian life, you have an inferior Christian life. This value of mystery, you're never going to figure this thing out. Come on, it is the walk of faith. You all right? The walk of faith is to live according to the revelation we have received in the midst of the mystery that I can't explain. I live with the revelation that I have received in the midst, the tension, if you will, from what I can't explain. I don't understand why the doctor gave me this report, but this is what I do understand, that God is a healer. Come on, somebody. I... (laughs) 
I've had to walk this out when I buried my dad at 52 years of age looking into his eyes as he drew his last breath. But I've never have give up on the promise that God is still a healer, friend. Come on, so I don't understand that. I can't explain that. I can't write it out. I can't communicate it and put language on it to the people that is looking at the casket in front of me. All I know is that God is still a healer in the midst of that. And I refuse to reduce, come on somebody, my theology down to my level of experience. Instead, I want to raise my level of experience to match my theology. God, I've I, I got to calm down. It's supposed to be Wednesday night. We need to be teaching. Father, we love you tonight, Jesus. Help us to live the life of faith. I don't understand it. I don't understand why that one walked away. I don't understand it. I just go like what T.D. said. T.D. said if you would have needed them, they would have stayed the journey. Come on, somebody. But I can tell you this. When one walks away, God's faithful to provide somebody else in your path to get you to where you're going. He is committed to taking you to the destination, friend. Boy, I feel the Holy Ghost on me right here. Mm. Hot. This mystery, I can't understand. I don't understand. I don't understand. Listen here. <coughs> we are Christians. It is called the walk of faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. In the Old Testament, when the priest went into the Holy of Holies, he had the, the censer in his hand swinging it. It's smoky. He had to feel his way around in that room. This is the way we walk. Come on, somebody. And I can tell you this. A lot of times your eyes and your logic will be telling you exactly the opposite of what God's telling you. That's what I found to be true. Come on, somebody. God tell you to buy the plane ticket when you ain't got but $2. Come on, somebody. God, he don't never wait till you're at the high time to move. He says move when it's... And he does that so that you're not going to get the credit for it. He'll get the credit for it. All right, now, I ain't never going to get to all this if I don't travel on. <coughs> Listen to this. To have questions is healthy, but to hold God hostage to your question is not. Oh, this is good. To have questions is healthy, but to hold God hostage to your question is not. You have to have the cornerstones in your heart that God is good, that He's for you, that He's with you, that He's in love with you, that He's pleased with you. If these are cornerstones in your heart, then when the storm hits, you will have enough to take you through the storm. I'm trying to help you here, friend. Listen, I love to shout as much as anybody, but the shout won't take you through the storm. The solid steadfastness of the Word of God is what will take you through the storm. Come on, somebody. It was when Jesus was in the wilderness, He had to go back with what was written. And I've been in places in my life I had to look what was written because I sure didn't understand. Come on, somebody. I had to go back. It is written. So when you enter into this place of uncertainty, you've got to have cornerstones in your, in your heart because this is the number one thing. The devil will lie to you and say, you're going through this storm because of what? You did this, this is why this is happening. Oh, God's getting you right now for what you've done in the past. But I come to tell you the truth about the past. Your past don't exist no more, friend. Come on, somebody. 
as great as God is, He's omniscient, omnipresent. Come on, somebody. He's awesome and all of that. But He cannot remember the past. The Bible says He cast it as far as the east is from the west. Come on. And when the devil comes to remind you of what you've done, that's the accuser of the brethren, friend. That's not your elder brother Jesus. Your elder brother Jesus is communicating. You get up. I'm in love with you. I paid the price. I walk the... I walk the walk that you couldn't walk. Come on, somebody. All you got to do is line up your walk with your talk. Now, but if you have these in your heart, when we get in these uncertain times, we're able to navigate through these. So to have the question is healthy. But to hold God to my question is not. Not understanding is okay. But restricting our spiritual life to only what we understand is not. A person's heart is more clearly seen by what they are willing to embrace without offense than by their expression of faith in only what they already understand. Let me give you an example here. <coughs> if you've ever listened to a Bethel podcast, and Eric Johnson is the senior leader at Bethel, which is Pastor Bill Johnson's son, if you've ever listened to those podcasts, it will not take you long when Eric is speaking to realize he has a speech impediment. But the speech impediment comes because he is almost 85% deaf in both ears. And yet he wears no hearing aid. And he preaches the gospel. And he does everything. But you know what's wild? Is one of the miracles that is most, most seen at Bethel is deaf ears being opened. Come on now. Listen to this. Here's another thing that's wild. Is Eric has prayed for numerous deaf people and seen them healed. And yet he himself cannot hardly hear. You can't explain that. And I remember being in, Dusty will remember this. Remember when we were in the luncheon with Bill Johnson and this guy, this, this is what this guy said. He said, what do you do? How do you live? What do you do while you're waiting on your son's healing? And immediately tears come down out of his eyes. And he said, we're not, we're not waiting on his healing. His healing has already happened. Pull this keyboard down just a little bit right here in this house. Listen. He said, we're not waiting on his healing. His healing has already happened. It just hasn't manifested yet in this realm. When did his healing happen? Over 2,000 years ago. This is the reason why the church cannot see healing. Come on, somebody. Because they're waiting for something to happen. When you realize something has already happened. Come on, somebody. It's already happened. It's already in the believer's benefit package. This God who heals all our disease and our sicknesses. Come on. Am I in the Bible tonight? I'm talking to Bible thumpers on Wednesday night. It's already happened. So healing, we don't look, we don't look to healing. We look back at it that it's already happened at Calvary. And we stand fast even though in the midst that it ain't manifested. We stay at the place of faith. Come on somebody. Knowing that it has already existed. And if I stay in that place, it's a matter of time before it manifests in this realm. It's a matter of time before it manifests in this realm. All right. So, you can't explain that. I mean, think about it. I mean, how easy would it be to get offended at God when you are 85% deaf and you've seen 20 deaf people healed under your hands? Don't you think he stuck his own fingers in his own ears? 
It said, you know, deaf and dumb spirit come out. You can't explain that. But here's the deal. You can get crippled in that moment by buying into the lies of the enemy that healing's not for today. Come on, somebody. Or there's just something wrong with you why God won't heal you. Or you can live with that mystery and say, God, I don't understand this, but I know one thing about you. You're good. That's what I'm trying to talk to us tonight. I have had to live with a lot of mystery that I cannot explain. All right. I've shared this before in here. <coughs> My dad died July 31st of 2006. It was in the wee hours of Sunday morning. Chris, who was here, actually preached for me on the Sunday morning. My dad died. So I preached his funeral, what, uh, Tuesday or Wednesday. The following Sunday, I'm headed to the church. As we pull into the city, the Spirit of the Lord comes on me and says this, I want you to pray for the sick this morning. I immediately tell God I'm not praying for the sick. And this is what I told him. If you wanted to heal the sick, you had plenty of, I gave you a good example to heal a few days ago. Has anybody ever been real like that with God? Come on, somebody. Huh? God is not afraid of our frailty nor our humanity. If he was, he'd have thrown us out a long time ago. We all jacked up. Come on now. So, listen to this. I, I go to the next red light and I stop. And the Spirit of the Lord said, pray for the sick this morning. So, I didn't even, I didn't even make no answer to that. So, we go in there. Listen, I just buried my dad. This is where I'm at. I'm going to knock a sermon out. I'm just going to knock a sermon out because that's, that's what preachers do. We go, we go preach, you know what I'm saying? And so I'm just trying to get back home. This is just where I'm at this time, okay? Just forgive me, right? Just, I'm talking, I got long depth of life here I'm talking about. So anyhow, we get to the end of the service. The Spirit of the Lord comes on me real strong. I'm talking about urgent. He said, pray for the sick. And then the Lord highlights this lady sitting at the back left. I've never seen her before. I'm thinking, man, this lady's got a cold or something. Man, I'm going to lay hands on her. She's going to get healed, you know what I'm saying? We're going home. And so anyhow, she comes down, I call her, and I said, I heard the Lord say that he wants to heal the sick, and she immediately broke, I mean, she just starts crying. And so she just breaks and starts crying, and she said that, uh, she said, I, I, I've been to Shans, she said, I got colon cancer. When she said cancer, in that moment, it shook me. Come on, somebody. What we've got to get is cancer is not the big C, it's the little C. The big C's Christ. Come on now. Come on, church. All right, now here's the deal. Listen here. So <clears throat> I'm saying, what I want to tell her is, yeah, I just buried my father with pancreatic cancer, and I got news for you, you're going to die. I mean, I, I'm just being honest tonight with my family, okay, right here. So I'm just thinking, it ain't like I got this high level of faith, but how many knows God will move in your own frailty sometimes? He moves in spite of us sometimes. Come on now. He got so, and listen. Here's the deal. We thought that, listen, this is how we used to pray for healing. Lord, she's been a Sunday school teacher for 19 years. She's been, she's been in the church. She's been a tither for 20 years. None of that means a hill of beans for God. He don't care if you just come out the crack house. Come on, somebody. He's healing you not because of what you've done, because of what Jesus has already done. He's healing you to show you his goodness. It's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. Not hellfire and brimstone. It's the blessing and the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. If we don't get back the way Jesus did it, Jesus did the stuff, didn't show them, didn't give them the word. We give them the word and never show them the stuff. So we lay hands on her. I say, be healed in the name of Jesus. I pray my best prayer. 
She leaves that church, listen to this, goes back to Shands. There is absolutely no cancer in this lady at all. And to my knowledge, there's no cancer in her today. And she, now listen, you're to think, well, my God, she's fixing to become a member of the church. I mean, she's going to be the, just the biggest supporter. I've seen her one more service when she come back and told us that God had healed her cancer. I ain't seen her since. Now you explain that. Now here's the deal. I got an opportunity here to get offended. And say, God, why didn't you heal my dad? At least look at all the price I paid. My God. You know what I'm saying? Why did you do that? I can't explain that. I still don't have the answer tonight. All I can tell you is God wanted to reveal his goodness to her in that moment. And he did. But my deal is to pray for the sick when he says pray for the sick. Come on now. And just be obedient to his voice. So we got to live with this value of mystery. This is what I'm trying to communicate to you tonight. All right. Moving right along. Listen to this. We learn by experience. That's how we learn. We learn by experience. Revelation that doesn't lead to an encounter will only make you more religious. That's good right there. I'm going to say it again. Revelation that does not lead you into an encounter will only make you more religious. The goal of this book is not knowledge. The Bible says, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, that knowledge will puff you up. Even biblical knowledge. Have you ever seen people that know a lot of Bible, but it ain't in their life? Cuss like sailors. Quote the Bible. The purpose of revelation is an invitation to lead you into an encounter. When you get the revelation of tithing, it is an invitation to lead you into an encounter that God will provide for you. Come on now. It's an invitation that leads to an encounter. And so what we got to do is even with the Bible, this Bible is to lead us into an encounter with Jesus. This is not something that I study to come preach out of. Come on somebody. This is living word that is written for nutrients from my life. And to lead me into a relationship with Jesus. How many knows that's the goal of the Bible? I feel like I just hit something. It's the goal of the Bible. John 5, 39, you search the scriptures for in them you think you have life, but you wouldn't come to me that you might have life. It is to lead us into an encounter with him. Okay? All right. So any encounter, that any, any knowledge that we gain that doesn't lead us into an encounter will only leave us more religious. Only what goes beyond my understanding, only what goes beyond my understanding is positioned to renew my mind. In other words, only what goes beyond my understanding is positioning me to renew my mind and transform the way I think. Y'all with me? You remember when Jesus, when, he, when, when the disciples get, do the miracle of the 5,000? Then he gets on the boat and he says, he says, why do you reason that you don't have any bread? How can your reasoning start out with what you don't have after you've just seen 5,000 pe- people, men fed, not counting women and children, with a few fish and a few loaves? How do you start out from that? Listen, what he's saying is the, the, the miracles that we experience in this church And when we see financial provision, why do we start out with what we don't have? Come on. You with me? Like if I see God come through and pay the rent one time, 
How come the, the next time I get in the dilemma, why does my mind automatically go to what I don't have? Our, God, our mind has to be transformed not to what we don't have, but what we do have. We've got to look at what we do have. You may be like David, you don't have a bazooka and a sword, but what you do have is a slingshot. And the slingshot that God has provided you is the very thing you need. I want to tell you tonight that you've got everything you need. You just need eyes to see what you have. When the prophet showed up at the woman's house, she said, I don't have nothing in the house but a jar of oil. That's the very thing you need. What do you have in the house? There's resources in this house right here. You are filthy rich people. You're very wealthy that are sitting in these chairs in front of me. Why? The God of heaven has deposited himself on the inside of you. And if God is in you, friend, come on somebody. Everything you need is on the inside of you. You just have to have eyes to see it. He said, why are you reasoning that you don't have any bread? I just multiplied your bread and fed 5,000 men. If I could do that, I could come the waves. I can split mountains. I can raise the dead. I can heal the sick. I can save your children. Try to preach on a Wednesday night. Why do we reason with not what we have? Living unoffended. Philippians 4, 7 says, The peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your heart. Faith does not come from my understanding, but it comes from the heart. Faith doesn't come from here. It comes from here. Your understanding says you cannot get out of a boat and walk on water. But faith says you can. <coughs> we do not believe because we understand, but we understand because we believe. We do not believe because we understand, but we understand because we believe. Hebrews 11 and 6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must first believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. You know your mind's been renewed when the impossible starts seeming logic. This is what I, I, I've shared this. Bill Johnson said that he knew that Bethel was starting to grasp what he was bringing and what he was preaching when on a Sunday morning, someone with stage four cancer was being brought through the doors of the church and the church stood up and cheered. Why did they cheer? Because they knew that man that came in with that cancer was not going to leave with that cancer in their body. That's good. I'm going to go just a little further right here and we're going to move some chairs, okay? Just trying to encourage you tonight. Proverbs 25, 2 said, It's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings to search out a matter. God hides revelation for us, not from us. This is good. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings to search out a matter. God hides revelation for us, not from us. He has a delight in the seeking. Matthew 7, 7 says, Seek and you shall find. God drops invitations. I will say this, and maybe I'm different, and maybe, maybe God doesn't talk to you like this. God has never, called, he's never told me a paragraph. 
If you get paragraphs, God bless you. I don't get paragraphs. Usually it's one word. Two words. How many knows that the word that he gives you is pregnant with all kind of words? My words are spirit and they are life. His word creates realities that did not exist until he spoke it. Come on now. There was no door there even possible to come open, but when he released the word, it opened the door. There was no bridge to get from this from this side of the this side of the valley to the other side of the valley, but when he spoke, there became a bridge. Come on. He opens doors that no man can open and closes doors that no man can close. And so, so with this, with this <clears throat> right here, that <clears throat> he drops the word. I always say it like this. He usually drops a word. And if you've ever fished the river, there's all kind of creeks and tributaries and streams that flow off the river. He speaks a word to get you in the river, but he usually going to drop it in the creek. If you're willing and you're hungry enough to get up and go seek, it'll lead you to the river. And the river is pregnant with all kind of revelation. The river is where the, the wealth and everything is at. Are you with me now? But a lot of times he will drop a nugget to get you into that deal. He, Moses never got out that he was a deliverer. All he did was show up in a burning bush. He's in the middle of a desert. Come on, somebody. The, the, the fact that the burning bush is not the miracle. There was all kind of bushes that catch on fire in the desert. What got his attention is this bush was on fire, but it wouldn't get consumed. Moses never heard anything until he turned aside. When he stopped and was amazed at the bush that wouldn't be consumed by the fire, he turns aside. This is the same way revelation advances in our life. Revelation doesn't come through extensive study. It comes from childlike faith, hanging out with dad on his lap. This is good. Dropping you some nuggets. We ain't even taking up offering. Revelation doesn't come from extensive study. It comes from childlike faith hanging on on dad's lap. Why? It comes through friendship with God. Why? Because Jesus said in John 15 that you are the branch. I, I, you are the branch and I'm the vine. My life is not a struggle. Only thing I focus on is how my connection. Listen to me. Are you connected to the vine? If you are connected to the vine, I want to help you tonight. You are going to make it to your destination. I don't care how bad it is tonight. All you got to do is stay connected. If you are connected, the sap is flowing into you. You may not feel like nothing's going on. You may feel like it's the darkest hour of your life, but strength is flowing to you. Why? Because you are connected to a vine. Then Jesus drops this nugget to his people. To his disciples. He said, I no longer call you servant. Because a servant doesn't know what his master's doing. See, the servant mentality doesn't know revelation because they can't get revelation because they're still trying to work for God. God don't want any of us working for him. He don't want to use nobody. He just got children and sons that he gives inheritance to. Come on now, this is good. Ah, oh, God, why don't you use me? Nobody wants to be used by anybody. God ain't fit to use nobody, friend. Come on, somebody. He just wants a son that can get up on his lap and he can whisper the deep things of his heart to you. It comes through friendship. Lord of mercy. Friendship. Just hanging out on dad's lap. 
drops a word, conceals it. Throws this lamp out. Start giving us peace at the time. Peace at the time. He didn't throw the whole encyclopedia out. And to be honest with you, I ain't even got hardly none of it figured out. <laughs> I just think it's pretty cool. But I know this, it is is an invitation for one heck of a journey. It's an invitation for one one massive ride in the kingdom. And let me just say this. If God would have showed you the whole picture, you would have never signed up to start with. Oh, come on, somebody. If he would have showed me the lions and the bears in the way, I wouldn't have showed up to start with. Come on, somebody. All he does is speak the good thing. Come on, somebody. He gets you intrigued saying, come on, follow me. I'll make you fish as a man. Then he goes on and drops the nugget. Hey, I'm fit to send you out like, like little lambs in the, midst, in the midst of a wolf pen. Wolves are bad. And they can take a sheep down at any moment. What separates the wolf from the sheep is the fact that the sheep have a shepherd. Come on, somebody. That's why I said I'm going to send you out, but know this, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Every time that wolf comes out to get you by the leg, I'll stand up and grab him by the nap of the neck and throw him to the side. All you got to do is walk and do what I told you to do. Lord of mercy, we're going to put this out on the podcast. This might be worthy of getting out right here. Listen to this. Revelation always brings responsibility. Listen, where much is given, much is required. This is why people don't really want revelation because they don't want responsibility. But if you get revelation, you are responsible for the revelation you have. Jesus does not judge a city by the fact that we got strip clubs and crack houses on every corner. He judges a city based on the fact of the revelation that is being dumped out in that city and what are they doing with the light that is being shown in the city. My God, I feel the Lord in this house. This is how God judges a city. Not the fact of the wickedness in the city, but how much revelation is being poured out in the city and what is the church doing with the revelation that they're being poured out to. My God, we ought to be like Hulk Hogan up in this house right here. The revelation that's been dumped out in this place over the 26 years of ministry. There ought to be powerhouses in here. We ought to be shaking the nation with the revelation that's been dumped out in this house. Lord of mercy, Matt. I, I mean, revelation carries responsibility. Where much is given, much is required. And hunger is what prepares our heart to carry the weight of it. Hunger. John preparing the way before Jesus. Jesus could have chose anywhere. Listen to this. God could have chose anywhere for the inaugural address. The inaugural address of His Son. But He chose the wilderness. Why did God chose to stamp His Son as the Lamb of God that would take away the sin of the world? Why did He choose the wilderness? He chose the wilderness because there was one man living in the wilderness named John. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost in him, Matt. It's, it's on like Donkey Kong. He chose the wilderness. Why? Because John was in the wilderness fasting and praying, calling for repentance and a lifestyle of holiness. God, I feel the Lord in this place. Shipoya tapakoya, lemende, osopoya. He poye hitekehilamondosaya. 
He was looking for a place that he could give the inaugural address of his son that behold the Lamb of God which takes away the sins of the world. He could have went to the finest synagogues but they had the Sadducees and the Pharisees in the synagogues. He chose the wilderness where John was because John was fasting and praying. Let me show you another sign. John was wearing a coat of camel's hair. He could have been had, he could have had lamb, he could have had goat, but he chose camel. We don't know if he picked up the camel's hair in the wilderness or if he picked up the camels, if he picked up the camel, if he found a dead camel and tanned the hide and put it on. But I know this according to the old covenant, and John was under the old covenant, a camel was an unclean animal. He had no right of putting that on. Oh my God, I'm about to show you something right here. But John wore the camel's coat to show himself that he had not arrived. Come on, somebody. That his water baptism was only temporary. Come on, somebody. And it was a reminder every time he walked into the River Jordan to baptize. Hey, I'm unclean just as you unclean. And this is only temporary. But I came to tell you there's one coming after me. I've done met him before. His mama come to talk to my mama. And I heard his voice. Well, I was in the womb and it caused me to leap in the womb. There's one coming after me who I'm not worthy to loose his sandals. But he's not going to baptize us in water. He's going to baptize us in fire. And when that fire comes on our lives, we're going to go out and shake the nation. My God. I got to quit. Man, this is good. We get in veins like this. It just makes you want to just go bust a wall. Listen to this. Listen to this. Jesus said in Matthew 13, 11, Jesus said he hid truth in parables. Why did he speak in parables? I say this all the time. God, won't you just speak English? If you could speak country English, that would even be better. Not proper English. Slang. Street language. Listen to this. Jesus spoke in parables to hide his revelation because he's a merciful God. Because if you understand it, then you weigh up under the responsibility of it. Oh my God. See, you want your finances changed. I'm going back on it. Come on, somebody. But you've heard tithing all your life, and you, you, you look at everything on the Internet. Listen, there's everything you're going to pull up on Google why we shouldn't tithe today. Jesus had the chance to abolish the tithe when he looked at the Pharisees. For, for, but he said the tithe of Corbin and Mint you should have done. He could have done away with it. Come on, somebody. He paid his taxes too. Remember that? He said, Peter, we've got to pay some tax. This shows you how young the disciples was. That Peter was the only one old enough to go pay the tax with him. Come on. He had a bunch of young folk around him. He said, go down there and I want you to catch the fish. When you open his mouth, he's going to have a shekel in there. Pay my tax and your tax too. Lord of mercy, we're going to have to go fishing. We might got to pay it again. Come on, somebody. We're going to have to go fishing. But the disciples never woke up one day like we do. After walking with the Lamb of God, they, never, they didn't wake up like we do wondering if we're going to make it today. They seen the miracles. They seen the supernatural. 
They seen the, they seen the widow in, in, in bearing her only son in the city of Nain. And Jesus woke up and stopped the funeral procession and said, get up. They seen the miracles. Now he spoke in parables. Why? To hide his revelation. Because revelation comes responsibility. But he said, it is given to you to understand the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. You're the most intelligent people walking the face of the earth. Because the spirit of God lives inside of you. The mind of Christ is on the inside of you. Divine wisdom is on the inside of you. Revelation lives on the inside of you. You say, well, why ain't I walking more revelation? I mean, you want me to be honest or sugarcoated? The honest answer is because you're lazy. See, if I was a hireling, I'd have said, just keep on and it'll come. But a shepherd going to prod the sheep. Say, get off your lazy behind. You got to cut American Idol off. You got to cut the one-eyed devil off and get in the book. <laughs> Steve said, what's the sugar one? <laughs> All right, let's finish this up and land this plane. You with me? <coughs> the inheritance that we're after doesn't come easy. It takes a lifetime to obtain it. What we're accustomed to is riches. You never want riches. Nobody in this room wants to be rich. If you do, let me correct your theology. Riches come and go. But wealth is for generations. God is a generational God. When He's speaking to us, He's thinking in generations. He's seeing my seed, 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 seed. And He's speaking something into our life that will affect them down the road. If you only have vision for what you're doing today, man, my God, you got to grow your vision. That's the whole deal with Hezekiah when he received the word of the Lord. That, I mean, his people was going to be off and uh, took off in slavery. He said, well, at least it's going to be good in my years, right? So we got to learn how to quit living for just us and live for something we're going to leave behind. You agree with that? Yeah. So what happens is, is how you walk in the inheritance is it comes little by little. It doesn't come all at one time. And if it comes all at one time, we have a picture of that in Luke 15. It will be squandered. <clears throat> Are you with me? You believe what I'm saying? God gives to each one their ability to manage and steward what's been handed. How do we steward the revelation that we get? When you have the dream from heaven, do you get up and record the dream? Do you pray about the dream? Or you just say, oh, I had a dream. When you get the nugget out of the Bible, do you write it down and pin it down? How we steward the little thing determines how we'll ever walk in the big thing. And so, on my journey, there's been plenty of times that I've had opportunity to be offended at God. And I'm not going to sit here and say tonight that I wasn't, but I would honestly say that it's been very short stints. You know how you get, let me just say this too. You know how, to, you, know how you can walk away from addiction? As simple as this right here. 
A lot of people, I think, when we try to tell them to get free, the free areas of their lives, when you, <clears throat> they think, how am I going to make it 10 years? Don't worry about that. How are you going to make it today? Just think of the day. If you can make it today, wake up in the morning, say, I'm going to make it today. Wake up the next morning, I'm going to make it today. And what you will find is not many days, but you'll be miles from what just had you bound. If you'll just focus one day. So how are we going to handle the vision that God gave us? One day. I want to go to bed every night knowing that I was faithful with the day that he handed me. Terry, that we handled today the way we were supposed to handle it. And if I handle today like I was supposed to handle it, tomorrow will take care of itself. So you, well, Pastor, you don't understand how long I've been addicted. Well, let me just tell you this. If you fall, don't let today turn into a week. That's good. If you fall, don't let that one day turn into a week. And if you won't do that, you can be free. So let's just stand up and reach our hands into heaven. In the air, but we're reaching them into heaven by faith, right? <clears throat> How many believe the Lord gave us something not to help us? I feel like it did. You know, you know this. Let me just say this. As a, as a young guy, as Catherine and I are young in the ministry, you know that, Steve, one of the things that I think that highlighted this house that we knew, that when, 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 when you guys traveled, and Chris told me this Sunday, sitting in my house, he said that I remember one time when Dale and Steve and Dennis would travel too. Listen to Dennis was on my porch last, was it, Friday night. And he said, I was sitting in a service and God told me to go get my pilot's license. And we just went through that whole deal, you know. But he said he would almost weep and say, would you please just take me with you. But one thing that we knew was the revelation that we was going to get from this house was going to be phenomenal. This is a revelational house. This is a house of the seer. You believe that? God has dumped unbelievable revelation on this house. It's not limited for, for Pastor Dale or John or Steve. It's an invitation for all of us in this room. Say, so, well, I just wish I could just remember the books of the Bible. You can. You can. You can. You can. You can have a photographic memory. You can. You can. Let me tell you how that starts out. <clears throat> Not saying that I'm some Jack Van Ampe or but whatever. But I am graced with a gift that if I read a book, I can about pull it out until you can tell you. I haven't read, and I'm going to do this just, to, just not by boasting brain, but I haven't had a Thompson Chain's reference Bible in my hand in probably 15 years. But if you've got a Thompson Chain reference Bible, if you will go take it tonight and you can look, Thompson Chain Reference Bible does 21 portraits of the book of John. You with me? And what I'm saying is this. It don't just start out by being able to quote scripture. I don't remember what I ate last Thursday at lunch. I can tell you it was good. 
But what I ate last Thursday, even though I can't remember what I had for lunch, it sustained me to tonight. It's the same way with the Bible. A lot of people read it like, I just can't, I, I hear this all the time, I just can't retain it. Don't worry if you're retaining it or not. You put it in. You put it in. You put it in. And God will pull it back out. You with me? Those 21 portraits. Let's go. Help me, Holy Ghost, right here. Got myself out here now. In John chapter 1, he's the Son of God. And 2, he's the Son of Man. 3, he's the divine teacher with Nicodemus. 4, he's the great soul winner. 5, he is the great... 5, what is John... He's the great physician, the healing at the pool. 6, he's the bread of life. 7, he's the water of life. 8, he's the great consoler. 9, he is the light of the world. 10, he's the great shepherd. 11, he's the resurrection and the life. Come on, somebody. 12, he's Christ the king. 13, he's Christ the servant. 14, he's the defender of the weak. 15, he's the true vine. 16, he's the giver of the spirit. 17, he is the model intercessor. 18, he's the model sufferer. 19, he's the uplifted savior. 20, he's the conqueror of death. And 21, he's the restorer of the penitent. That is the gospel of John, friend. Come on, somebody. It starts by one day. I did that not to brag. But to say, if it's on me, it can be on you. Father, tonight, I bless your people with revelation. It's in this room right here. There is an anointing in this room right here for revelational knowledge. I bless you. When you pray, you're going to dream. You're going you're to be able to read and obtain the Bible like you never have. In the name of Jesus, Father, I bless your people right now. I bless your people right now. In the name of Jesus, in the mighty name of Jesus, we receive it by faith. Amen and amen. God bless you, friend. Thanks for listening to this message. For more exciting content, visit our website at sparkswillfly.cc and connect with us on social media.